Welcome to this week's edition of the Dan Rayburn Podcast, the show that curates the streaming media industry news that matters most, unvarnished, unscripted, and providing you with the factual data you need to know without any of the hype. The pulse of the streaming media industry. Welcome to the Dan Rayburn Podcast. I am Dan Rayburn for another episode this week with co-host Mark Donegan. Mark, great to have you joining us. I know you got a little bit of a cold, so appreciate you being here today. Works. I won't make you sing, promise. There'll be no singing today. Even even without a cold, you don't want me to sing. Yeah, probably not. Me, me as well. well. We'll stick to the news for our listeners this That's week. Right. We've, we'll stick to speaking. We've got it. We've got a couple things this week. We're gonna not really go off too much of a schedule. Uh, we don't have any earnings this week, which is good. So we're gonna talk about some news tied to NFL, Netflix, uh, Nielsen. Ooh, quite a couple pieces around NFL. And YouTube TV, mm. uh, also some things around comparison of streaming versus TV from a measurement monetization standpoint. But let's jump yeah. into Netflix. Quick little story here that Adweek put out uh, reporting that Netflix, they say, now has 10 million subscribers to their AVOD plan. Mm. Uh, Netflix has not confirmed this, so we don't know if it's accurate. Sure. Frankly, not too surprising. Uh, they told us they, meaning Netflix, announced in May they had 5 million subs. So... To double that from five to ten million in ninety days, I don't think that seems unrealistic at all. Mm-hmm. But that's that's the latest number that we're seeing uh, reported. Uh, another one, Mark, is that uh, let's go into before we get to the the NFL. I thought it was interesting how <laughs> because of the news that. We've recently seen over the last two weeks that Disney is going to raise pricing on some uh, ad-free tiers in addition to ESPN Plus, Hulu Plus Live TV. Mm-hmm. We also know price, uh, maybe not increases, I should say, higher prices are going to be coming from Max if you want to watch certain sports content. Mm-hmm. That news has already, has already leaked out. So we are seeing services go up. NFL Plus, they raised rates as well. So... In the last week, one of the things that, that the media has been picking up on is, hey, streaming services are getting expensive. Yeah, that's right. Which, uh, okay, welcome to our world. That's, <laughs> that's not new. But yeah. mainstream media is now bundling a bunch of services together, comparing it to pay TV and saying, wow, you know, streaming TV, you know, one title here was streaming TV costs now higher than cable. Sure. Not quite accurate. Um it really depends on how you define what cable is, what TV is, what broadcast is, what linear is. And we're going to get to that later around Nielsen yeah. stats. However, comparing SVOD content to what Hulu Plus Live TV costs, which has linear channels and sports, not really accurate. In addition, I looked up, I have about $35 through Verizon in taxes, fees, and RSN fees. Wow, thirty yeah. every month. Oh yeah, every month. And your bill is, I'm guessing, what around one hundred thirty dollars? Where? What is it? Are we talking triple play? Are we talking just cable TV? Hmm. Yeah, that's the problem. You yeah. Throw it all in. And so, so okay. So those fees are. Do they even tell you what is for cable? Does oh yeah. Oh out? yeah. No, they they okay. break it out really well. Yeah. So I, I think I documented last. By last count, I was paying about $94 a month mm. for pay TV in a triple play bundle. 
Yeah. All fees included, taxes, regulatory fees, RSN okay. fees. No hardware fees because I don't use their hardware. But yeah. about about ninety five. Let's call it ninety five dollars. So okay, thirty five of that are fees. Yeah, there's taxes. fees have always been on the pay TV side. Fees, yeah, a lot of lot of fees. So when you add in fees, and when you add in most people are using cable TV hardware, I'm probably the exception of the rule using cable cards. Mm-hmm. The fees for pay TV are still a lot more expensive than streaming. Mm-hmm. So this idea that streaming now is higher than cable TV in terms of cost, that's just not factually accurate. And I think that's important to point out because as prices do go up, I do think, and we've talked about this, Mark, over not just on the podcast, but over many years in the industry, Yeah, the whole value proposition of live linear services Sling TV, Hulu Plus Live TV, all of these was cheap, 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 cheap. It yeah, was always right. the value proposition. Yeah. Man, this stuff yeah. is so cheap. Yeah, it's it's not cheap anymore. And yeah. it's it's a, when you're saying cheap, you have to say, okay, what are you comparing it to? For comparing it to pay TV, sure, it's getting up there. So there is a tipping point at some point. I don't know when that is, what the price point is, where when live linear streaming services become, let's call it on par with pay TV services as far as price, they mm-hmm. really lose all value at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I get less content, less choice, less quality, less reliability. Yeah. Why do I want it? Yeah. We were talking about outages, right? Before we hit record. And You know, you and I have heard it and seen it, right? You know, sometimes um, the, you know, the cable operators walking around our our industry at the shows or the telcos or, you know, are sort of like, oh, those, you know, that's the legacy. You know, they they still have black boxes in their network, you know. It's like, ah, that's old stuff. Well, okay, yes, the cable goes out and it's always super annoying when it happens right in the middle of the game. And yes, we all know, quote unquote, Comcast, you know, has low customer satisfaction. However, (laughs) generally speaking, these services are very reliable. They are very reliable. You know, they work. Generally yeah, it's, speaking, well, it's it's coax. <laughs> it's yeah, and they work, and and you know, so yes, there's compromises, and yes, they don't have all the sexy user interface, and you know, so man, I'm not I'm, I'm not saying oh everybody's gonna you know should or run back necessarily to to your cable, but the point is is delivering video at scale is hard. And consumers are paying, and when they start adding up the bill and they start thinking about it, you do have to scratch your head and go, wait a second, you know, is, am I getting everything I thought? Is this the panacea? <laughs> yeah, we've, we've seen that, that obviously change over the years, but also, you know, it's interesting the numbers people are using to compare this because here was one news outlet saying a popular set of streaming services adds up to a total cost of $73 per month. Compared to eighty three dollars for equivalent cable TV package, but then the services they picked, they don't have live sports, or if they do, they only have one thing. Like Apple TV has what Friday Night Baseball. Yeah, sure, sure, sure. So not quite accurate that eighty three dollars for the cable package doesn't include fees, doesn't include RSN fees, doesn't include equipment. Yeah, not quite accurate. I did think it was interesting. Some people in the comments on this article, Mark said, 
I'm not sure where people are paying $80 a month for cable, not in the U.S. Everyone I know and the average price I see is $150. Exactly. So streaming is still cheaper. Yeah, yeah you're yeah. right. It is yeah. for now. Yeah. It all depends how we bundle bundle things up. But yeah. Interesting on the comparisons. Within one week, the amount of media, and this was more mainstream media that doesn't really cover our industry. Sure. All came out with this idea that like, hey, with all these price increase and Max recently went up as well, well, streaming is now more expensive than pay TV. Yeah. So keep that in perspective. Uh, you were talking about outages, Mark, just real quick. FUBU TV had some outages. YouTube TV had some outages. Um, you also Hulu Plus Live TV had an outage as well. Mm-hmm. Some of them were due to the original source content feed coming in from the broadcast location. Bottom line, though, obviously, consumers don't care about that. They care about mm. the platform they signed up for that they're paying for these services, which is who they'll blame. Yeah. So to absolutely. your point, delivering video at scale reliably yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. to keep the stream going all the time with a high enough quality. You know, Fubo TVs was, was interesting because uh, they did acknowledge that um, there were issues being recorded with some 4K feeds. Mm-hmm. And they said, unfortunately, there is no ETA for a fix of the moment. Please switch to the regular stream. Okay. So sometimes the issue isn't a total outage, but it's yeah. a, it's a QOE. It's a quality of experience issue. So, you know, that is the reality of, of live events on the internet and, and everything that uh, we're going to be watching coming up next month with NFL Sunday ticket. You know, we talked about in the last podcast, you know, the day the NFL launched NFL Plus at a new pricing and packaging. Like NFL Network had an issue. Yeah. So uh, September September tenth when this kicks off, it's it's really going to be something for the industry to watch over over a couple week period. And with that, let's jump into some Sunday ticket news. So a couple promotions out there. Comcast is giving new Xfinity Internet and TV customers and existing Xfinity Internet customers at Ad TV two hundred dollars off. NFL Sunday ticket. Uh, I also saw a deal with uh, TCL. So TCL is offering uh, $200 off if you buy a certain type of TV. Hmm. I think the uh, cheapest TV they had was about $600. Yeah, 598 So basically, if you buy a TV that's $600 or more, uh, you, get, you get $200 off. So there's some promotions out there. Uh, not not too surprising. And then the yeah. one we heard of finally from Warner Bros. Discovery, they had announced on their, their last earnings call that they were teaming up with Google to offer some sort of YouTube TV NFL Sunday ticket. I should say NFL Sunday ticket bundle with mm-hmm. Max. Mm-hmm. So that is now out. Uh, users who have purchased NFL Sunday th- ticket through YouTube TV, not through the premium channels, but through YouTube TV. Yeah have gotten a promotion of four months of Max for free. Hmm. Now, it's a little confusing because online, people are saying if you're a current Max subscriber, individually, you can't use it. Okay. Uh, but, but that's not what the language says. Also, when they, when they announced this and they sent out the email, people were reporting on message boards that they were getting a server error when they tried to redeem it. Hmm. Uh, others were saying just keep trying, and then it worked. So yeah. the rollout wasn't <laughs> wasn't exactly smooth, right? Which is again not ideal. Yeah. Uh, also, you know, they're calling this a bundle, 
but I, I don't really know that I would call this a a bundle. You're offering something for free for four months, which, hey, I think that's great for customers who can take advantage of it. Sure. But I'm not really sure how that's a bundle. Yeah. So that seems seems like an odd way to sort of call yeah, it bundle. It's a it's a promotional tie-in. I mean, right. know, it's a, it's an attachment, right? Hey, you buy this thing and we're going to give you this other thing for free or some, right. you know. You you bolt something onto it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, I agree so, with you. Like 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 a bundle would be something that would be persistently available. Correct. You, you know, and even if they chose a discount it, but like, hey, if I buy it now, I, you know, until I cancel, I I get a half price. That'd be a bundle. That's a bundle. Right. Yeah. So, you know, again, I, I think, you know, are we nitpicking here? Well, words have meanings. Yeah. So if you right. set expectations with customers of a bundle, but then what you offer isn't what they think a bundle is, mm-hmm. you know, that's that's not great. It creates more confusion in the market. And we already have so much confusion in choice and, and fragmentation. Yeah. Good news is if you're a customer who can actually use it, get four months of max free. I think that's always good. Mm-hmm. Uh, YouTube announced this week in a long blog post you know, that they are going to start offering a monthly payment payment plan option for NFL Sunday ticket. It will roll out over the next week. Uh, it'll be four payments over four months. Mm-hmm. With that, they are also going to be introducing student plans, mm. which is interesting. Uh, DirecTV used to have that yeah. when they had NFL Sunday ticket. Now they didn't say what the student plan costs. <laughs> So we don't we don't know that yet, and it's also important to point out that the payment plan option will not be available in every state due to laws. Certain laws, uh, certain states have laws about how payment plans are done. Yeah. So I thought it was really good of YouTube to call that out and saying, "Listen, if if you don't see it in your state, it's it's not because we don't yeah. want to offer it. Yeah, just exactly. there's some rules there. Yeah. Which most consumers probably probably don't know about." Uh, they also said that NFL Sunday ticket subs will be able to choose from, quote, an extensive assortment of multi-view combinations every Sunday afternoon. However, I asked YouTube and they re-clarified, you're not going to be able to pick every single game you want in every single window. Mm-hmm. You're going to be able to pick combinations that they've already pre-selected for you. Mm-hmm. And then you'll have different combinations to pick from. So that's that's definitely going to irk some users. No doubt. You know, you know, I don't know what the combinations are gonna look like, but if there's a combination for these four games, but you only like two of them. Yeah. Right, that's that's not ideal. So I would also just say, you know, I think we have to be just respectful also of YouTube TV in the sense that you know, just because they roll this out week one this way, that doesn't mean it's that's what it's going to look like in week 10. Mm-hmm. And this is new, multi-view, uh, and certainly new with NFL Sunday Ticket in general. So give them time. It's the first year. Uh, maybe a certain amount of games in, you can pre-select it. You can select the games you want. It's not pre-selected. Maybe mm-hmm. next year you can. Uh, don't know. The message boards are, are rife with, with people kind of upset about that. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Not surprising, but you know, let's let's see what the options are. Also, the multi-view options change if you also have the red zone package. So they're saying online all these different combinations uh, will also include 
local NFL games side by side with NFL Sunday ticket games. Hmm. So that's for YouTube TV members. So yeah. obviously just there's there's a lot that's going to be going on. Uh, they also say that at the start of the season, if you're watching NFL Sunday ticket through YouTube, you're going to be able to enjoy new inter- interactivity like chats and polls on mobile and TV. So both platforms. Hmm. They're also going to be integrating NFL shop integrations. No surprise there. Mm-hmm. If they don't do that, that would be insane. Yeah. I mean, you have to be able to buy team gear easily. Yeah, for sure. I mean, that, that would just be nuts. Uh, yeah. And then they're also going to be bringing uh, to the ability to scrub within the video for key plays. Mm-hmm. So that's really, really smart. The fact that you can, you know, catch up on a, on a, Something you missed or a quick snippet before a major of, of each major play. Um, I, I think that's super, super important. But no, they then called out that key plays is only going to be available on TVs. Mm. But then they also said only on TVs this season. Okay. So it leads me to believe, and it would make sense, that a lot of what they're doing is setting up the platform for this year so that next year it can be more customized they can be more creative around that it would it would make sense Hmm. so that's the latest on nfl sunday ticket we are let's see one two three three and a half weeks away wow uh no four weeks so it's it's incredible how quickly it's going to be here everybody's going to be watching it major media is going to be covering it so uh, I'll be online that entire day uh, with my account, just looking at everything, the message boards, everything on social, uh, whatever the hell Twitter's called these days. I'll be on well, just keeping an eye on everything. So, Mark, I'm probably going to somewhat live blog, kind of like I do with the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. But for this, and then I also have people around the country uh, pre, pre-set up. We're going to be sending me what they're seeing in different cities as well. So I can have a better, better overall view of what's taking place, but uh, it's it's going to be an interesting, interesting weekend for sure. Mm-hmm. So, Mark, let's jump into uh, just real quick on here. This was an interesting story in the New York Times today, and I, I thought it was interesting the the impressions and the comments it's getting when I posted it. And the New York Times is saying that uh, when it comes to uh, subtitles. Uh, a lot of people have subtitles turned on. They say about 50% of Americans based on some survey. Yeah. And they said the reason for that is is because of all the issues that come from how your TV is mounted or not having speakers or speakers on back of the TV. Mm-hmm. I thought that's kind of interesting if you think about that. Um, they also talked about just obviously some lower-end TVs not having the best speakers out there. Yeah, sure. The audio is just not. Good. It's just not there. Yeah. Uh, also, because you know, broadcast TV has to adhere to regulations mm-hmm. tied to loudness levels. Streaming right. doesn't. Yeah. So it's it's completely different on the streaming side. Uh, interesting to see some people leaving comments too. Just when I threw the post up, saying, you know, being that there's no encoding standardization or level for for audio. Even someone like myself who has a high-end audio system, mm-hmm. half the time they're using mono, so the voice track is sent to all the speakers. Mm. 
So uh, interesting. I you know that wasn't something I I noticed was a problem in the industry, but the more I Google it and the more I look at message boards around that, it's pretty fascinating. Yeah, to think how many people are using captioning for that, and tying to that, Mark, you know, something I was watching on Netflix yesterday, immediately threw captioning on. Everything that comes on a Netflix throws up captions by default. So I contacted Netflix. They had me go through some some settings. Everything was good to go. They also had me watch a specific video that they point you to online. And they say, watch this video and please tell, tell us what happens. And I wasn't getting captioning, mm. which I thought was interesting. So bottom line was they, they don't know why it's defaulting to captioning every single time, even though mm-hmm. I haven't turned off. Yeah. Uh, but I also recently saw some stats talking about how many people use captioning. But what I wondered was, well, how many of them are turning it on versus how many times is it being forced? Is it being forced? Yeah. And and they either just live with it or they're kind of like, well, this is kind of useful, you know? Maybe. I, uh, yeah. But that's, it's, that's interesting. It's interesting. You know, this audio, um, it's interesting, the, the issue around audio quality, because I, uh, I, I spent uh, a little bit of time, pretty, pretty good period of time uh, working in and around, you know, the home theater industry in like, you know, early 2000s, um, you know, late 90s, early 2000s. And this is when, you know, it was just the, the, the rage. I mean, you know, you'd walk in everyone's family room and, you know, the speakers would be bigger than the sofas, you know, than the furniture. And, uh, and, and so there was a real focus. And then, of course, you know, with flat screens and as TVs got thinner and, and the screen size got larger, I think, you know, people kind of got sick of, you know, speakers everywhere. And you started getting the little small satellites, you know, like the Bose systems. And then now it's like sound bars. And then eventually, you know, I go in so many homes, you know, friends, family, whatever. And it's the speakers in the TV and they've got this, you know, 80 inch panel or something, you know, 85 inch hanging on the wall and there's no audio. Right. Right. It's common. (laughs) Yeah. It's really, really common. And, and, and it's a bigger room and you think, wow. And for me, I'm an audiophile. So like I would never um, have that set up in my house, but but I wonder how many people it's like, well, you know, maybe it's not the best, but it's good enough. And then you get it all set up and, it, it's like you just can't hear it, you know? Um, yeah, it's it's it was interesting when I thought of the TVs in my house just in terms of how I test. And I thought, okay, kitchen TV mounted really close to the wall, half an inch away. Yeah. There's no speakers in the kitchen specifically tied to the TV. Sure. Fortunately, it rebounds well. Yeah. The LG TV is really nice. But other rooms, I was like, oh, that's interesting. You got to turn the volume up really high. That's right. So it's it's an interesting problem and and I don't see the industry talking about it. Yeah. Yeah. So something, something to keep an eye on. I mean, obviously if Sonos or you're doing something like that, but just the Sonos arc is $900. Exactly. Exactly. Well, and, and, you know, and I think I I even wonder how much that's the issue. I, I mean, now you can get an amazing panel. I mean, just really amazing. Like OLEDs for a thousand bucks. Right. Um, and you can get big panels for a couple grand that just really are stunning. And yet, if you put together an audio system, you can very quickly blow past two or three thousand dollars. You know, right. and I and and I'm not talking about going in and picking the best of everything. You know, it's high quality, but you can easily 
So I wonder how much is just, you know, people kind of scratch their head and go, wait a second. You know, it's like, I see my TV, uh, you know, I, I don't know. Well, the, so this is cost. interesting, Mark. Some companies are looking at this. So in April, Amazon rolled out an accessibility feature called Dialogue Boost mm, mm. inside their app. And basically, you have to go into your options. You have to choose English Dialogue Boost High. Okay. But it's only available for a small number of movies and shows, and they're all obviously Amazon shows, so like yeah. Jack Ryan. Yeah. So I thought that was interesting. Amazon has the setting that really no one's yeah. talking about that you have to go in and find. So I wonder down the line if, if some companies start working on that as far as giving users an option. But the audio thing, super, super interesting. I hadn't yeah. really seen that or heard about that. So it's a, it's a, good, it's a good post in the New York Times. Yeah. Mark, let's jump on to Nielsen. So I wrote your favorite topic. Uh, yeah, I mean Nielsen is not my favorite company, <laughs> only because just the the lack of transparency and uh, you know definitions they don't provide. Yeah. Uh, so basically, what happened is Nielsen came out with their July um, you know numbers, and they said streaming grabs a record thirty eight point seven percent of total TV usage in July. Mm-hmm. Now, the media, in many cases, use titles like linear TV made up less than half of all TV viewing, according to Nielsen. Yeah. The problem here is what is defined as linear TV and who's defining it? Mm. Because if you are Sling TV offering a linear lineup, wouldn't both of us agree that's linear TV? Yeah. I would. However. Yeah. In Nielsen's specific reporting, they don't include services including YouTube TV, Hulu Plus Live TV, and Sling TV. They call out those are services we're not including in the numbers. Mm -hmm. But they don't say why. Now, the other thing they say is they have an other category. And they say, quote, streaming platforms listed as other streaming includes any high bandwidth video streaming on television. That is not individually broken out. Yeah. Uh, what is that? What is, I don't understand. What is what does high bandwidth have to do with anything? So I've always asked Nielsen. I get no replies, no nothing back ever. But what they're doing is Nielsen is lumping in the method of delivery, which is streaming, cable, satellite, with the business models, pay TV, AVOD, SVOD, and fast, but then ignoring some services like virtual MVPDs, but then throwing out terms like TV usage. Now, what is defined as TV usage? So the terms they use, Mark, is TV usage. That's one. Now, TV is a type of, it's a device. It's not a type of viewing. Now, later they say broadcast viewing. Mm -hmm. Okay. How is broadcast viewing different from TV viewing? Yeah. And then they use the term cable viewing. So you watch broadcast channels from your cable operator on your TV. I, I don't I don't get how they're mixing in the delivery mechanism cable with the device. And then finally, yeah. Netflix will not disclose publicly in their methodology anything what devices are actually being measured on the streaming side. Hmm. And yet they're calling it linear without defining what linear is. Yeah. So 
they're including fast channels in their usage numbers and fast channels. I think many of us would agree is really linear. Yeah. But they're not including live linear. Yeah. It's completely mind boggling. So there's zero transparency in their methodology and their definitions. And when they, it's pretty funny when they actually post this every month, there's a video of their product person, engineering data, yeah. nerd, yeah, below right. it. And if you watch that for three minutes, like I, I will buy anyone dinner who's listening, who can explain to me what they're talking about because they go through the methodology and now you're even more confused that it doesn't make sense. So Dan, um, so I'm on the page, you know, on the Nielsen page. And by the way, they call this the gauge and, right. and, yeah. and, and they publish this monthly. So every month, and it's a video of, I don't know if it's the same gentleman, uh, Brian, uh, Fuhrer. yeah, but anyway, um, I've never even watched the video, but you go to the FAQ, uh, methodology and frequently asked questions at the very bottom. It says, what about live streaming on Hulu and YouTube? Have you read right. this? Yeah, live streaming via virtual MP- MVPDs are excluded from the streaming category. Yeah, but then, but but here's the second part, and, and you just said this a few minutes ago, but but I don't think you pointed this out for the listeners. The second sentence says Hulu SVOD and YouTube Main within the streaming category refer to the platform's usage within the inclusion of linear streaming. Now. I, I I I read that sentence like four times, and I think what they're saying is that Hulu SVOD, so just call it the the you know the the video on demand side of Hulu, and then YouTube Main. I I guess that's just YouTube, just YouTube. Yeah. Okay, is included in linear streaming data, right. like, but why would you not include? Hulu Live and YouTube TV. I mean, yeah. I'm, right. So I'm with you. I, I'm just scratching also, my head. And why would you include YouTube I, at all? If yeah, I'm going and watching a 30-second, correct, correct. two-minute yeah, video. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes like no Would sense. we call that linear streaming? I don't no, know. No. And yet YouTube is what percent? Is the highest percent at 9.2. Yeah. Well, so yeah. we know it has the most viewing, Nielsen. They, we're, yeah. You know, like, we that, understand that. News. <laughs> right. Yeah. But then you have Netflix at 8.5. Netflix doesn't have 30-second videos on that. Exactly. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the point of all this is it's it's not clear. Yeah. And yet the sad thing, Mark, is even though there's no transparency in the methodology and definitions, the streaming industry and the media continue to use this every month to, propel, to just propel their yeah. notion, like you said earlier, that yeah. anything that isn't streaming-related is a dead business. Yeah. Yeah, completely dead. Um, I I was having a conversation with some folks just a couple of days ago, and you know, let's just say that they are you know very uh, important in the um, tr- more traditional broadcast pay TV side. It, you know, they have done a lot of work in there, and so the conversation was around the future and streaming and how everything uh, you know where the trends are, right? Where the business is going. And there's one camp 
you know, inside this group that believes that, you know, the quote legacy business is, is, is clearly dying. It's not going to come back. Like, you know, if we don't get on to OTT, like it's game over I'm being extreme, but you know, that's, that's, that's a mindset. And I was kind of arguing and listening to certain, you know, the debate going back and forth. And I said, now, wait a second, you know, um, (laughs) Comcast is not shutting down their cable service. Um, all of these, they are not going, yes, the, the, the subscriber growth is, you know, they're losing subscribers. Yes, we see those trends. Meanwhile, they continue to, to spin off billions of dollars, you know, in, in, in revenue. Um, I'm not talking profitability, but I mean, in revenue from these platforms, these platforms are not going away. And, you know, there is a very real scenario where the consumer wakes up one day and either because of discovery issues on OTT, which you and I have talked about, you know, sometimes it's just, it's just kind of too hard to find something, you know, across all these services. Um, and, you know, the aggregation, like, and I'm not saying everybody's going to run back to the cable bundle as we knew it, but <laughs> there, there is a simplicity and there was a simplicity in what you know, in sitting down with one remote in your hands and navigating some UI as simple and even archaic as it was and being able to find something to watch, you know, and knowing yeah. that you hit, you know, you selected the channel, it would start playing almost immediately. And, you know, barring somebody, you know, cutting the cable, you know, when they're doing road construction or something, um, basically it always worked. You knew it was always going to be there. True. I, I think the issue here is, um, you know, the theory of a proposed replacement is always more appealing than the reality of a solution. Mm. That's a super key point. It's always the case. And I've said that yeah. multiple times at, at, at the conference, but we're comparing two different types of services that also offer two different types of content. That's, All this original content, right. Netflix and Paramount and Disney yeah. have, it's not on cable TV. Yeah, it's not going to be available on Comcast. No, no. Now, <laughs> yeah. F- FX, you know, others, Paramount, right? They sure. have some great original content, no doubt. Sure, but sure. Absolutely. You're going to have to have, a, as a consumer, if you truly want the full experience, which includes sports, we've got to throw that in there, you're going to have to have pay TV and some streaming services. Now, for those where it's not as important or they don't care if they see it the moment it comes out, mm-hmm. no, you're not going to need pay TV. But to your point, Mark, you already see people saying, well, at some point, these companies are going to get out of the pay TV business. Now, Comcast, no. However, Verizon Fios has just over 3 million Fios TV subscribers. Mm-hmm. They continue to decline. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's, it's, I don't know if it's a profitable business just on the pay TV side, but it's, mm-hmm. it's certainly expensive to license all the content, maintain yeah. it. And these services like streaming have always benefited from economics of scale. That's the business they're in. Same with wireless carriers, everyone. So if you're Verizon and and you're at 3 million now and you continue to decline, at what point are you saying, well, now we're no longer even breaking even? That becomes a problem. Yes. So I I think there could be some smaller pay TV operators that down the line say this may not make sense. But we also Mm -hmm. might see that from streaming because Sling TV is now only at 2 million subs. Mm Mm-hmm. So it's going to be fascinating to see what happens over the next couple of years with that. Going back to Nielsen for a minute, Mark, you know, the reason I point this out is in order for the industry to properly 
grow and, and measure what's taking place. Mm -hmm. We need good data, garbage in, garbage out. Mm -hmm. So to me, it's sad the industry doesn't push back on Nielsen more, question the data, demand transparency, instead of pushing the agenda of pay TV is dead. <laughs> so it's interesting as an industry how it seems people don't care about methodology anymore. They don't question data. And to me, that's a step backwards for the industry. So I do like the fact that you've got iSpot, uh, VideoAmp, Comscore, mm -hmm. Innovid, 605. There's a bunch of companies out there that are looking to challenge Nielsen. And some of them, to some degree, are because you've seen Peacock and other companies sign deals with them. Yeah, that's right. But the bottom line is Nielsen is still just the largest company by far. They have yeah. the most reach. And yeah. you know, Nielsen did a you know deal with Amazon for Thursday Night Football. And then yeah. as much as Netflix originally complained about Nielsen, uh, they they're expanded awesome. their deal with Yeah, them. exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. well, they're the arbiter. You know, the challenge is, is that Nielsen is the arbiter of value. Um, and, and, and I guess, you know, measurement is, um, it's, it's difficult, right? Across all these ecosystems. And Nielsen is the standard. So people... Yeah, and it's hard to, to displace yeah. displace a standard and something that's been there, and also yeah. the well. So it's it's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, but you know, it just I would say, Mark, you know, the one thing that's going to the one part about leaving this in industry at some point, which I'm going to do, who knows when that is, <laughs> is that I'll no longer have to look at data where nobody questions it. <laughs> And what's what's crazy about that is I was thinking of this the other day, like I could publish a blog post right now and throw a whole bunch of data in there. And I'll bet you 99% of people would never say, well, what's your source? Yeah. They would never ask. Yeah. Where'd you get it from? Yeah, yeah. And, and you can see that with something like Nielsen because the amount of news outlets that came out and covered that news, even the ones in our industry, mm. they didn't look at what the methodology was. Now, there were a couple that questioned it, no doubt, and- I mentioned them by name, but I honestly don't remember. But there were a couple people in the industry who were like, oh, again, Nielsen? You know, you <laughs> yeah. said this a year ago, right, for the first time ever. And yeah. <laughs> it's not very clear what you're measuring. So I, I'm not the only one here. There are others out there. But yeah. as a collective whole as an industry, we're just, we're not questioning it enough. Mm. I don't think so. So, Mark, with that, we'll wrap up here. I'll give a quick little update here on the, uh, the NAB Streaming Summit. Uh, I announced this week Netflix are doing a great presentation on encoding. Um, also working on presentations right now with YouTube. be very interesting. They're going to come and talk about how they do interactive live events across their platform. Mm -hmm. Pretty interesting case study there. Uh, also, LG is looking at presenting something with an advertiser, with mm -hmm. the actual advertiser on stage, Yeah, talking about the type of ad formats they like buying and why and how they measure KPIs. Pretty interesting. That'll be good, yeah. Yeah, you don't usually see the advertiser on stage. Uh, this yeah. is this is a brand, public company everyone's heard of. Um, also, a great conversation with Disney. So hopefully that works out in terms of them doing a fireside chat with me around the ad business mm -hmm. challenges and restraints as well that the, that they're seeing, but also opportunities when it comes to advertising across D to C. So some great content being lined up here. Promotion has just started for the NAB Streaming Summit. You'll really see a lot come out in the industry right after right after Labor Day. But for anyone listening, October 24th, 25th, New York City, 
Javits Center. If you want a discount code, reach out to me directly. Uh, also, super thankful, Mark. We've got the uh, first five sponsors in mm. as well. So we're starting to get get sponsors dropping in. We're going to have a great cocktail reception the first night. So Brightco, Veggio, CDN77, Quilt, Visionler, they're, they're all in the sponsors already. That's so great. the show is really starting to come together. And it's it's interesting because the demographics I'm seeing, Mark, and, and some of the interest here are coming from companies that are local to the area that don't make it to the Vegas show mm-hmm. or didn't speak at the Vegas show. Like uh, Disney is a great example, right? They're the Disney streaming services are now what it's rolled up into, right? That's headquartered yeah. in New York. Yeah, that's right. um, YouTube TV, right? Those, uh, sorry, not YouTube TV, YouTube, the live yeah. event site, right? Again, headquartered here. So for those that have you know been to the NEB show in Vegas before, you're definitely going to have a bit of a different crowd in New York. Mm-hmm. We're going to cover some some unique topics. Definitely a little more, I would say, in the ad side because you've got some of the agencies and brands here. And by here, I mean New York. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then also, Mark, I'll have probably. A combination of a total of five sessions just around fast, mm-hmm. a couple different things there, and then also around sports, obviously a ton going on. Yeah. Uh, for anyone asking, no, I will not have YouTube TV talking about NFL Sunday ticket. <laughs> <laughs> there is no chance of that happening. Even if they pull it off perfectly, they're still not going to talk about that. Yeah. Uh, but some really good content lined up. So for anyone listening, if you still want to get involved, whether that's speaking, whether you want to moderate, whether you want to sponsor, whether you want to attend, Okay, you have a lot of time to buy a ticket, but I would say probably half the speaking spots are now gone. Yeah. So if you're interested in being involved in some way, uh, reach out to me right away. It's going to be a good show. And the night before, uh, I'm also going to throw a meetup in Midtown, hmm. not at the Japanese. Right. You know, we haven't yeah, had a yeah. streaming meetup in a while. So bottom line is there's a lot of good stuff to come for the industry. Um, and just keep following me on, on LinkedIn or or the blog, and you'll see more information, which is really good. So, uh, Mark, we're, we're not going to have a podcast next week due to some travel, but uh, we'll be back the week after for listeners. So anyone listening, everything we talked about today, it's already on my LinkedIn. It's already up, all the stats, numbers. Uh, you have any questions, reach out to Mark and I at any time. We appreciate you guys listening. I have not looked at what the uh, latest stats are, Mark, but uh, I'm thinking we're probably at about 27 or 28,000. That's great. I was I was right going to ask if we crossed 30,000. 30, uh, no, not not as of yet. But we're getting uh, there. We're getting there. Yeah. I also just published you know, the last podcast we did today, recording mm-hmm. this one, so it was a little slow in the last 30 days, but, uh, but doing really well. So pr- we appreciate everyone listening. If you have any questions, reach out to us anytime. Have a good rest of your week. And Mark and I will talk to you when we're back. Thanks very much. If you enjoyed the show, send it to a friend. Have questions for Dan or Mark? Connect with them on LinkedIn at any time. And be sure to check out Dan's blog at streamingmediablog.com.